Welcome to the number one podcast covering Michigan State basketball. The Final Four is not in the schedule. Join Rod and me, Eric, as we dive deep into the Spartans to get you prepared for every game. Subscribe today for in-depth recruiting updates and fantastic interviews with today's important college basketball personalities like Robbie Hummel. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I have listened to your guys' podcasts numerous times on drives throughout any Midwestern Big Ten city, so I, I am big fans of your guys' work. Jay Billis. And next time, hey, if anybody in Michigan wants a December tea time, call me. You wimps won't show up, but I'll I'll be there. I'll be there and play in the cold. And Izzo will be in front of the fire with hot chocolate. Coaches Thomas Kelly. Oh, no problem. Glad to be back, man. Glad to be back. Mike Garland. You just can't sit there and trade twos for threes. You can't do it. You're gonna lose. Coming down the stretch, you're gonna lose. And more. You won't find better coverage of Spartan Hoops than you will get here. For both the casual and hardcore fan, come along as we take you for a green and white ride. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod here to talk about MSU's upcoming game against the Nebraska Cornhuskers in Lincoln, Nebraska. If you're like me and appreciate listening to podcasts throughout your commute or exercising time, please consider spreading some of that love. Continue to share the show with your friends and family. Please, please leave a written review on your podcast player. We have thousands of listeners, yet only a very small fraction take the time to leave a review. So it helps the show a ton. It helps the algorithms lead other Spartan fans to the show. We much appreciate it. And if you're so inclined, you can send along a few shekels to the show, either in one-time gifts via PayPal or Venmo, or on a recurring basis on Patreon or Substack. Links can be found at tffinots.com support. All right. MSU, for the second straight year, finds itself heading on the road and dropping its first Big Ten home opener. It has been a little strange this season, especially in the Big Ten, with Minnesota already having a win, and both MSU and Purdue with a loss. Obviously, the Spartans want to avoid an 0-2 start and a hole that might be hard to climb out of over the following 18 games of the Big Ten. For Nebraska, they're 7-2, coming off a really disappointing 11-point road, lo- road loss to Minnesota in their Big Ten opener. Playing well on offense, but not playing very well defensively. On offense, uh, they've been done a good job in minimizing turnovers at number 67 in Ken Palm and are off to a great start in offensive rebounding at number 71, which is unusual for a Nebraska team. They're also getting in line a lot at number 64 in free throw attempts per field goal attempts. They're shooting twos and free throws well, and threes are not been so good at only 31.6%, although it's better than Michigan State. Uh, they're playing fast with a number 58 ranking in length of offensive possession. And on defense, they're doing a really good job of limiting twos and threes, but really having trouble stopping second opportunities with the defensive rebounding has been a problem at number 154. Yeah, um, so the the statistical profile is is not terrible for yeah. Nebraska, but well, they're seven and two. Well, but they've lost their last two games. Well. Is what I was going to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's the first real opposition. You know, they got tattooed by Creighton. Yeah, I I think Creighton beat them by twenty nine, and then they lose by double digits at Minnesota, which you know normally a road loss in the Big Ten, okay, but. We all know where Minnesota's been. So, um, you know, that's 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 the thing that, that I think is probably giving you pause when you look at Nebraska's profile is, mm-hmm. all right, fine, but how much of this is real? Because when they've played legit teams, they've struggled. And, and that's recently, too. Yeah. So... Um, much as with Wisconsin, um, we are seeing 
Nebraska in at least one phase of the game play completely against type. In the Fred Hoiberg era, they have been truly an abysmal rebounding team at both ends, but they are actually pretty effective on the offensive side thus far. So, again, a lot like Wisconsin, a team you just don't expect to see this from, and yet they've they've been producing pretty well there. Um, you know, it's it's some different personnel and some familiar names back. It's a combination of those things. Um, I think they they really felt coming into the season there was reason for optimism that they could build on last season's momentum and with a little more talent on the roster, uh, maybe even make a, an outside-the-box push for a tournament bid. Hard to see that as likely based on what we've seen thus far, but I do think at a minimum you can say this is a team that certainly looks better on the offensive end than they've been. Yeah. Um, and if they ever, if they ever manage to find some uh, consistency with their jump shots, uh, they could be even better still. But you know, the overall picture: shooting decently from two. They play fast. Uh, they're not turning it over a ton. They've been getting a lot of second chances. They get to the line a fair amount. And they shoot it well from there. So there, are, there are some things that have gone well for them overall but again the, the other part of this is how does it play out when they're actually playing legit opposition yeah and when we talked in the season previews the one thing about nebraska you really feel like this team is or at least the program is set up to be successful or at least have a significant home court advantage you know at in uh, lincoln because those fans are rabid they got nothing else going on they just have a lot of support for that school i mean you see what they the types of uh, crowds they bring for like volleyball games for instance uh-huh. um and they definitely have a packed arena they they like they like it just they just haven't able to been put it be able to put it together but i feel like they're at some point they're going to they're going to figure it out and i just i didn't know if it might be this year but as you pointed out it maybe it maybe not but but it's certainly play, an environment that could be trouble if you if they get rolling which we saw last year with michigan yeah season. yeah and and it's a you know it's just a very very difficult thing to unpack because on the one hand you know schools that tend historically to not succeed there are reasons for that right and that is definitely the case with nebraska nebraska historically is a very very poor performer among you know whatever power fives power sixes whatever we're going to be down to now <laughs> they are among high major programs they have one of the worst profiles historically there is. Yeah. Um, but when you look at these things that people normally evaluate the potential in a place by, so crowd support, facilities, you know, um, resources, financial and otherwise, all those things are, are, are there. So that leads one to think, well, it's probably just about getting the right guy, right? But they haven't had the right guy ever. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know how to, I, I do think there are, let's put it this way. When I compare this job to a place with roughly similar profile athletically, Penn State, Yeah. I think it's a much better opportunity objectively than mm-hmm. Penn State is. Um. 
because some of the things Penn State lacks, Nebraska has. Uh, community fan support. Um, they're clearly willing to spend more. Remember, that's why Penn State lost their coach. Right. They weren't willing, for whatever reasons, to put money behind it. Um, Nebraska has shown that they will, but it just hasn't worked. And, you know, with Fred Hoiberg, you know, last season, maybe started for the first time in his tenure to see a little bit of momentum built. But I think this is a really important year for um, whether he's got in, term, in terms of determining whether he will be long term viable or not in that job is can he build on that momentum? Because if he can't, it starts to get to the point that he's been there a while now and you really got to start to wonder, OK, is this ever going to work? Yeah, well, and and to your point about the difference in the school schools in Nebraska and Penn State are good examples is that Nebraska seems to be willing to put the resources in. They, I mean, the hiring for Fred Hoiberg seemed like a can't miss sort of hire, especially in an era where you have, and this is even before, you know, the transport really opened up, but we have a a situation where you don't have a lot of in-state talent that are, uh, that you have to access. You have to really have a national or at least large regional recruiting pattern. So it seemed like a natural possibility to build a program up was to take Hoiberg and and they were willing to to fire a fairly successful coach in order to do that like, because you know some programs you can imagine you just let those guys linger forever because you don't care that much because you care more about football but right it, it's not been the case for Nebraska and and I will be eternally confused as to how it hasn't worked better than it has <laughs> yeah because because he did it very similar profile except under even tougher circumstances to make the portal you know transfers work when he was at Iowa State and the fact that it hasn't clicked fully in Lincoln is with a guy who's proven he can do this is very very strange to me I still don't quite understand why yeah well I've been to Ames and I can't imagine Lincoln (laughs) It's going to be like less attractive than Ames. I'm sure it's a much nicer place than Ames. So, yeah, you think if you could do it at Iowa State, you know, and maybe I've been maybe, there. It's okay. <laughs> maybe part of it is neither one of them is a place I'd want to spend a lot of time in, but that's me. <laughs> I, I wonder, in some respects, is because the transfer portal became more ubiquitous for all the other schools, that the advantage that he might have had in acquiring players at Iowa State were, you know, as like an option well, where there aren't as many options. It wasn't the case in Nebraska as much. And so, you know, that maybe what the advantage is just gone. It's sort of like the Red Wings. Remind, they used to have the sort of the market on Russian, you know, Russian players. And they the had Europeans a, quite in a, general. Yes. Yeah. A dynasty. So and a, then it's an interesting point. It's an interesting point. I don't know. I haven't thought that through. You you might you might have something there. Um, but even if that's the case, you would still expect he would be able to. I mean. His it's settled in a little bit. I think there's no question whether he's ultimately a guy who works there or not is still up for debate. But there's no question that they're in a better place now than they were, say, his first three years or so. Sure. That that's still even if you say, well, everybody's doing this. You've also got a much larger supply of right. players mm-hmm. on the other yep. side of it, and and again. If it's a guy who's done this successfully, who understands how to blend that type of roster together, 
I just, it was mind blowing to me that he just couldn't figure out a way to make it work over those first several years where they were just every year it was scorched earth, try it with a new set of guys. They play selfishly. They, they're totally inefficient. It doesn't work. Rinse, wash, repeat. Um, that I don't understand. I don't know why it hasn't worked for him, but you make an interesting point. It's something to consider if that's played a role. Well, at some point you got, I guess you have to look at the top, right? And so that may be just a question. Maybe just what, maybe he just caught lightning a bottle at Iowa state and for whatever reason, and then just not able to replicate, which you see all the time player, you know, coaches who are successful in one place and don't pull it off anywhere else. I don't know. I mean, it's not someone doesn't watch every Nebraska basketball game. I you can't evaluate the coaching maybe. So anyway, well, let's talk about the players for Nebraska. Uh, this segment is brought to you by one of our great sponsors, the Brothers Adjust Two Gutters, as they sponsor the player that Michigan State needs to keep in the gutter. Now, the Brothers Adjust Two Gutters uh, do fantastic work. They are located uh, all over the country, but the sponsors of the show are located in the Grand Rapids metro area. That's Kurt and his team, and also the Detroit metro area. That's Greg and his team. They can take care of any gutter issues you have, whether it's cleaning them out, whether it's repair or replacement. They get the thing job done quickly. They have a very good pricing. Uh, you get 10% off, you mentioned Final Four, on your estimate when you contact them. You can find contact information in your podcast player below. Uh, you can also go to the episode page uh, on our website at tffinots.com, just the front page. It'll You can find the ways to email and contact those gentlemen to get your gutters taken care of because it is important in Michigan to take care of the water. We are blessed with lots of water, but it can also be a curse if you don't have it properly removed from the side of your business or your house. It can cause all kinds of problems, as you probably know. All right, so we'll begin with starters. Jamarcus Lawrence, 6'3", sophomore guard, looked pretty good as a freshman and has been a regular starter this year. He's averaging 6.3 points a game on 36, 27, and 69 shooting, and it does a really good job handling ball. He's a three to one, a three assist a game, but uh, 19 turnovers with 26 assists, so the ratio is not great. Yeah, um, he was uh, he was a um, I thought a guy who got better as last season went along mm-hmm. for them last year, so they had optimism about him. the The, the big problem this Nebraska team has, and it's boy, it's been a problem the whole way for Fred Hoiberg, and it it looks to me like it's still a problem with this team. Is he's never firmly solved the point guard issue. And this kid leads them in assists at almost three a game, but he's got 26 assists and 19 turnovers on the year, so not efficient. And he hasn't shot the ball well this year. So they'll hope for better. Uh, He's still a young guy, obviously, but he hasn't really taken that position firmly by any means. So the next player is Kisei Tomonaga, 6'2", senior, dynamic player, uh, Averaging 13.9 points a game on 47, 34, and 80 shooting on unorthodox shot selection. Uh, he looked like he had a really, I didn't check the final box score, but it looked like he was having a not a very productive game in Minneapolis. He only like, I don't think he even had scored when I looked at with just a few minutes left in the game. So, um, but he's definitely obviously one of the leading scorers and a guy who, when, if people remember from last game at, in Lincoln, he really had a quite a first half against Michigan State and was, you know, hitting shots, turning around before that goes through the you know, those sorts of things. 
he's quite the flashy showman. Yeah, and that you know the the thing that makes him difficult uh, to deal with is obviously the unorthodox nature of his shot selection. Because when when you don't have a normal rhythm, we've talked about this with him before. When a guy takes shots outside of what anybody else will typically take them in terms of a rhythm, in terms of spots on the floor, uh, in terms of shot windows, all of those things, that can make it hard because you're just not used to defending somebody that way. You know, it's kind of the thing where you'll see def- defenders occasionally relax on a guy, right? Where yeah. somebody's a step or two further out that would be normal for a player to take a shot from. And the defender is relaxed a little bit because their experience tells them, well, I'm not under threat. The shot's not going up. And then a shot goes up. That's Tominaga. That's his game. And he's, yeah, and he's a player that we expected to be pretty, uh, the fulcrum for whether they're going to have a really successful season. At It was yeah, definitely important. Back. Yes, yes. And he's been okay. So I wouldn't say it's been a great start for him, but it's been a decent one. So next player would be Bryce Williams, 6'7", junior transfer from uh, Charlotte, or or is it Charlotte? Uh, He's been as good as advertised. He's averaging 14.6 points a game and 4.3 rebounds a game on 45, 42, and 91 shooting. Yeah, and and look, a big, big addition. They thought he would be. Mm -hmm. He had been productive at Charlotte, and he's been exactly that for them. Uh, I would say that as much as anything the addition of him to this lineup is what's helped them improve offensively because it's given them a, a guy who's a legitimate, you know, Tominaga was a scoring threat, but again, very unorthodox player. This guy is much more um, what you expect when you talk about, all right, this is a, a high scoring, you know, number one option kind of player on the wing. Yeah. He looks the part. Then we go to 6-8 senior transfer from New Mexico, Josiah Alec, averaging 7.3 points a game and 5.9 rebounds a game on 40, 22, and 77 shooting. Yeah, and a little bit of a surprise to me that he's been the starter, but um, nevertheless, that's how it's worked out. And he's been reasonably productive. He's definitely been a big part of improving that offensive rebounding that we talked about. That's been a big area of contribution for him. And finally, Rink Mast, 6'10", junior transfer from Bradley, averaging 14 points a game and 9.8 rebounds a game, including three offensive rebounds a game, shooting 46, 32, and 90. Yeah, bi- big addition, and that was something we talked about in the preseason. Yeah. I think he's been as good as advertised. They've gotten about as much from him as they could have reasonably expected, almost averaging a double-double. Not a great three-point shooter thus far, but he takes enough and 32% is a just good enough success rate that you got to worry about him. Um, so, uh, yeah, as advertised and definitely helpful. Then we'll move on to the reserves. We'll start with Jawan Gary, 6'7", senior, returning starter, playing off the bench this year. He's averaging almost 14 points a game and five and a half rebounds a game, shooting 56, 32, and 71. Yeah, it was a productive you know, it was funny. He was one of the guys who got hurt last year, and despite the fact he'd been very good for them, Nebraska's season turned around when he went out. 
He's back yeah. now playing in a reserve role, but he's been very productive offensively. He's a, another good offensive rebounder. Um, so definitely playing a, a very useful role off the bench. And then we're going to CJ Wilcher, 6'5 junior, averaging 6.3 points a game on 44, 32, and 80. Yeah, he, you know, he's a guy that I think they, um, they they've the third year running, they've hoped they would get more consistent shooting from him because he came yeah. out of high school with a reputation as a shooter. He's never quite found it. Um, but his size at 6'5 and versatility and experience means he's still going to play a significant role off the bench. Then we'll get to Sam Hoiberg, six-foot sophomore, although I think six feet seems kind of generous. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah uh, I agree. Coach's, son, coach's son, he averages 3.9 points a game on 44, 40, and 50, shooting in about 15 minutes, uh, sorry, 16 minutes a game. And he's a guy who came on real late in the season last year. Yeah, and, you know, playing, again, kind of a similar role, um, gives him a little bit of shooting. It doesn't take a ton of shots, but pretty efficient when he does. Um, so it's a, it's a positive and finally, Jerron Coleman, 6'5", senior transfer from Ball State, playing 14 minutes a game. He averages a little under two and a half points a game on 19, 13, and 64 shooting. Um, Yeah, been a real struggle. You know, they added him as a guy they hoped could, um, could uh, you know, provide some quality depth in that backcourt. But boy, the shot just has not fallen. Those are pretty dismal numbers. Yeah, those are. That explains why he's only playing fourteen minutes. <laughs> right. All right. So we'll talk about the keys of the game. Brought to you by Nudge Printing, another great sponsor of the show. Nudge Printing is a great place to get your Spartan or other collegiate apparel. You can head on over to nudgeprinting.com. Listeners to this show get twenty percent off if they type in "Final Four." That's just one word for the coupon code at checkout. Nudge provides super high quality screen printed uh, shirts and hoodies, sweatshirts. I've got a bunch of my family. They're the best. We got a few more recently, and my family's kind of fighting over them So, <laughs> because they're so, so comfortable, breathable. Uh, their sweatshirts are great. The T-shirts are the favorites for workout for the for the family. So uh, you can't go wrong with all their stuff. It's worth every penny. Great time to get for uh, holiday presents, Christmas presents. It is that time of year. So they, if you order the next few days, you still can get it before Christmas. Uh, so make sure you head on over to nudgeprinting.com for Great Spartan gear, and again, other collegiate gear too. You can check out their website; they have all sorts of things there, uh, which is you know just fantastic stuff. All right, so five keys of the game. Last game, Michigan State was over five. <laughs> Hopefully, they do a little better this time. Uh, the number one, boy, this sounds familiar. Boards. Uh, Nebraska, like Wisconsin, is a pretty good offensive rebounding team, unlike in the past. It's we saw in that Wisconsin game how much it cost Michigan State that they just could not get defensive rebounds when they generated missed shots. And you'll absolutely kill yourself if you can't do that at a better clip than than they did against Wisconsin. So it's a similar... This team isn't quite as productive on the offensive boards as the Badgers have been, but it's close. And it's a similar kind of scenario where it's a few guys. It's like three guys are doing the damage all interior guys you've got to do a better job and the number two key to the game is offensive movement so this is it was super obvious last year or last game where Michigan State I don't know they made themselves easy to guard I guess that's the simplest way of putting Been it up the whole year well yeah right. the whole year every game there's nothing new about it this team does not move well 
And and I don't know what Izzo can do to fix that, but he's got to he's got to try something or multiple somethings because they stand around more than any Michigan State team I can think of. And it's it's hard to fathom why, given given their backcourt talent, given the returning, the number of returning players, the familiarity with each other, all of those things. But your eyes aren't lying. They stand around. And if they stand around, they're easy to guard. And if they're easy to guard, they're not going to score. It's funny because, you know, I think, well, it's they have sort of a pick and rolls offense. It seems very much like, you know, when Cassius and, and Tillman were there, mm-hmm. where they're always relying on the, the screen up front. But you can still the wings can still move back and forth. Right. I mean, it's not like it not like people have to just watch it, watch the uh, the action. You should still be moving even when there's something going on up top right there's that and and you're you're not seeing anything positive come out of the pick and roll game very rarely you know we're we are used to seeing that spring guys loose aj hogard for example okay effective picks are set that's going to help him get to the rim we're not seeing it so everything has got to change, but it starts with movement. The ball yeah. and the men have to move a lot, 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 lot more than we've seen. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, like you look at you, people complain about Sissoko and Cooper, I suppose, setting the screens, but it's not, they're the same guys, the same guys handling the ball, right? I mean, you still have yeah. AJ and Walker. So you yeah. just expect you'd have the same, you should have the same uh, success, this is, right? This is I know this is what drives you crazy. A- this is why it's incredibly frustrating to see because you've seen all these guys do this yeah, before. Right. It's not new. They're not new. None of it's new except <laughs> for the dismal results. That's new. And that's a yeah. very unwelcome kind of new. <laughs> so the third key to the game, the start. We've, uh, we, I don't know how many, much more there's they, to say every about this. But week, they just, I'm tired of talking about it. I know. But we're going to have be to keep doing it until they stop. Um, you go on the road in a big 10 and you want to spot the opposition, a double digit lead, uh, you're asking for another loss period. And they did this last year against Nebraska, but managed to come claw back in the second half, but it took a Herculean effort last year. It's not last year. They, (laughs) they need to figure out how they're going to respond to people from jump. Yeah. Fourth key to the game uh, is Malik. And he was obviously not himself. I mean, it sounds like he played far more minutes than they expected, but you know, there's right. no other option at that game. But so he has to be better. And he's been, I yeah. think, overall a pretty consistent player this season, except you know, he's last been, game he he's been fine. He's been fine when he's healthy. Uh that you know, you just have to hope by the time this game rolls around, he's feeling a bit better, a bit more like himself, because they're gonna need him. If they're gonna have any chance to hold them off the offensive glass, he's gonna have to del- be a big, big part of that. Yeah, it isn't usual that this this three week stretch or two and a half week stretch. There aren't many games, right? You play a game, and then you have six day rest before Wisconsin. You got a five days off or right. so before Nebraska. Then you've got almost a week off for finals. I you know that's I understand with finals, but not a lot of basketball happening for a little break here. So plenty of time to get rested up. Uh, finally, the fifth key of the game shots, and you know, I, I, again, we've talked about this Aikens and. Walker, you just have to expect them to hit more. I mean, they were missing open shots to start that game, and Kroll's the one hitting him, right? It's just, it was, I, 
at some point, they just have to start hitting them. And it's not like they're getting bad well, shots. They look like they're in rhythm, and I don't know what's going here's on. Here's the thing. For as poor as the offensive movement has been, Michigan State has still generated a totally acceptable amount of open jump shots. Yes, yeah. What they haven't done is hit them. And things aren't going to change until that starts to change. That's just how it is. I mean, we can we can talk about all this stuff, these various aspects of things, and it's all valid. But the truth is, if they can't make shots at a better rate than they have, they have no chance. No team does. This is... Michigan State is shooting at a level I have never seen. Emphasize that. Never <laughs> seen. This is, you know, you think about, say, the, the first year or two when they got good under Tom Izzo, the Cleves era. Yeah. And remember the knock on those teams, oh, they can't shoot but they just get after it on the offensive boards and they guard the hell out of you and they win with toughness, et cetera. Right. All true. Those teams looked like the Golden State Warriors <laughs> compared to this one. <laughs> they can't shoot. And if you can, I, and I don't mean that those players are literally incapable of it. I'm just saying this team has thus far been unable to hit shots. And if you can't hit shots, you can't win. You got to be able to hit some shots. You don't have to shoot 40% from three, but you got to hit something. And they just, guys who have done it their whole lives can't do it all of a sudden. You want to try and explain that? Because I can't. I just know that I've never seen it. I've never, ever seen it. And from this program and how they solve it, I have no idea. I don't envy Tom Izzo. I feel for him. Because this has now gotten to the point that it's clearly in everybody's head. And I yeah. don't know how you get out of that. I just don't know. The multi, multiplayer slump. Uh, do you happen to have the Ken Palm numbers in front of you? I'm just kind of curious where Michigan State ranks in three-point shooting, two-point shooting, and also two speed point of play. Two-point shooting is not bad. Two-point shooting, they're in the top 100. Okay. Which is improvement, significant improvement from last year. Um, three-point shooting, they're somewhere in the 330s, and mm, I don't know worse. pace of play, but it has to be incredibly slow. Yeah, it's has weird that they're, they, I mean, you almost wonder if Michigan State's the slowest pace play in the Big Ten. Wouldn't for surprise a team that we me. Thought, for a team that we thought would was be going, going to... up and down the floor. And, yeah. And by the way, should be. If you can't hit jumpers, then you better figure out how to generate offense in other ways. And the fact that they're not that they're compounding this is mind blowing to me. I just it, it's it's all incredibly frustrating to watch because problems are so obvious and yet there doesn't seem to be any fix. I, I was on Jack Atwood's show yesterday and he asked me um what I thought was gonna would they win this game? And I said yes, not because of any anything tangible Michigan State has given me to believe that, but just simply almost 30 years of history right. that Tom Izzo yeah, yeah. suggests to me they'll win it. But then he said, will they beat Baylor? And I said, absolutely not. They haven't given anyone any reason to believe that. 
And until they start giving us reason to believe that, you have to assume that this is going south. Um, I don't see any individuals stepping forward and taking this thing by the throat. You know, the things that you would have to see to believe a change is possible, we have not seen any evidence of it. Um, I think this team is shell-shocked. They should be, I guess. Um, but the only ones who are going to get them out of it are those guys themselves. Yeah. And so they just need to decide, you know, um, you want this to be your legacy? That you go from preseason top five to not making the tournament? Break the streak? You want to be that group? Okay. But they got they got to start showing something, start showing some kind of signs that they're gonna. And that was what was so disappointing about Wisconsin was right. okay the missed shots all that that's been going on, but then you don't compete in terms of toughness, in terms of effort and energy, to at least try to to mitigate the fact that you can't throw the ball in the ocean. That's that's what you can't accept. And that's why if my tone sounds the way I think it does, that's why. It's coming through loud and clear. <laughs> you, I've seen, I feel like we've seen t- teams before from Michigan State where they can't handle the, or I shouldn't, maybe can't handle is the wrong word, but where they, where they struggle or have a little trouble with the high rankings and they kind of fall. And I think that happens a lot. So it's uh, not unique to Michigan State. And uh, uh, Not really. Not, I'm going to stop you there. Okay. Very rarely has that happened. I could think of two. Now you could say, well, the year the the year where the tournament got erased by COVID, that they were preseason number one and fell out of the rankings. Yeah, but they they found themselves. You know, at sure. the end of yeah, the yeah. season, you don't look at that season and say, well, they were overrated. No, not at all. Um, there are two years I can think of: oh five, oh six, when they had so much coming back from a Final Four team. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and got beat by George Mason in the first round and really had a mediocre year. And then 2010-2011 coming off two straight Final Four teams and <laughs> you had a team that was just fractured, just right, chemistry-wise, never. And Kalen Lucas coming back off an injury, you know, they had up Chris Allen and Corey Lucius get kicked off the team. I mean, there was a lot going on that year. That's it. Normally, yeah. when Tom Izzo teams have high expectations, to one degree or another, they deliver on them. So this is highly unusual. If this were to end the way it looks right now in December, um, it would be uh, paradigm shattering. It's never happened like this. Yeah, I guess to complete my thought, <laughs> I feel like we've seen this a couple times, but it has turned out okay in the end. But, right. Um, Everyone's feeling a little frazzled right now. So so to help us walk off the edge. Play the devil's advocate too that the season's not all the way over. Uh I really can't. I don't know what to tell anybody. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can't do that. Why? You, your eyes aren't lying to you. Yeah. They the Wisconsin game was was the point that I've said I've had it. You could look at Arizona, you could look at Duke and say, as we did, and say, look, there are signs here. Yeah, yeah. There are things that maybe are indicators that they're starting to get it. You figure the shots are eventually going to fall to some extent, et cetera, et cetera. Wisconsin was a joke. It was an embarrassment. 
And that said to me, I'm not sure these guys care enough because there's no indication they do. If they did, you wouldn't see that kind of effort. You know? So yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you. There's no, there's no silver lining based on what they've shown. Now, if you're, if you're asking to try to find one, the only one there is, is history. That's it. Well, right. But yeah. you know, but you know, um, history's great until it doesn't hold. Right. And there's no guarantee. I think people have operated under this assumption that it just kind of works itself out because it always has. And maybe it will again, but I need to see some signs before I believe that. I'm not seeing them. This is, yeah, this is so much worse than anything I've ever seen as a, as a Michigan State basketball fan in the Tom Mizzou era. I've never seen anything like this. Where you have guys who have done it, you have a group who has done it together, and they come out and they play this way. Um, again, not just in terms of lack of success and the skill stuff, but effort, toughness, energy. It's disgraceful. And until they start changing that narrative, mine isn't going to change. Well, let's hope they turn things around on Sunday in Lincoln and then they uh, get on a little run and figure something out or maybe start playing differently. Maybe they start pressuring more, playing a little bit more uh, full court, like they said they were going to be in the season, to, like you said, to generate some offense or to get something different. Just, you know, the uh, what's the definition of insanity is doing the same thing again and again, expecting different results. So maybe it's time just to do some th things a little differently. But we'll have to find out and wait till Sunday to see what happens uh, again. Go make sure you visit our great sponsors at the Brothers Just Your Gutters. You can find the contact information underneath if you have any work on your gutters, either for your home or your business. And also Nudge Printing, great place to get some Michigan State paraphernalia. Uh, you can get that at nudgeprinting.com. And again, a special thanks to, to Rod for hanging in there with this the cold and the, the voice that cracks. You're doing a great job. We really appreciate it. So until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green. Rod, we totally forgot to mention who the Michigan State is the player they need to keep in the gutter for the brought to you by the Brothers Jesse Gutters. So who is that player that they need to shut down? I'm gonna say it's Tomanaga. Yeah. Um he's the guy who scares you the most just because uh as we've talked about, his shot selection is so unorthodox that he can he could take objectively bad shots and bury yeah. you. So he's he's the guy. Well, and you look at the Minnesota game, and he had almost no points, and they lost. They lost by what eleven points, and and that I'm sure has to be part right. of part of the reason. And he didn't even take many shots. So I don't know if you I don't know if you watched the game, but I imagine that they were, you know, face guarding him out at half court all the way yep. all the way in. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Yep. So we got that taken care of. <laughs> so we'll hope for the best on Sunday. Mm -hmm.